Well, hello and welcome to episode number 448 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I am Carlos and in this week's show, one aircraft does a very short field landing, another A380 is reborn and one suitcase goes on its very own airport trip without any human interaction. In the military news this week, we get an update on the ongoing development in the new, of the newest Air Force, Air Force One and the USS Gerald Ford and the Navy's newest aircraft carrier gets underway. So joining me this week over in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, it's the man who never stresses about anything in life. <laughs> it's Matt Smith. One of these days you're going to f- run out of things to like say to me that that are where I'm just, yeah anyway. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've lost the ability to talk this evening. This could be a problem. And the, <laughs> wow, we were we were all so chipper before this show, and as soon as we go live, like it all just falls apart. Yeah, it's yeah, our first you, public speech ever. Yeah, yeah. You, you should have heard Matt's show on the on the radio yesterday afternoon, and it was. Um, oh dear! What did I say? Entertaining. Yeah. What did I say? I can't remember now. Go on. We can't repeat it because it's um, it's just not not. It's not friendly. Wasn't that bad? <laughs> It was to do uh, with school closures, and I said, uh, um, "I said, cl- I said, clothing rather than closures, basically." And then yeah. <laughs> Carlos lost his mind. Essentially, nearly crashed his car twice. Um. <laughs> I've, I've never returned home from work with an aching stomach. <laughs> Normally, it's arms and legs, but never an aching stomach from right. half. Okay. Place. Yes. All right. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> Much anyway. appreciated. <laughs> Uh, anyway, good to be back on the uh, the show. I'm going to be back in the uh, on the uh, the old YouTube as usual. Nice to see you here as always, Matt. And uh, it's safe to say that everything's going swimmingly this evening. <laughs> well, so far, yes, absolutely. Yeah, Everything was done just in time. <laughs> I know. Uh, you may have noticed we are missing a team member this week. Unfortunately, the legend that is Neville Bounds is not with us. He's well, he's gone to somewhere uh, where. I think it would be an 80s character, wouldn't it, Matt? Um, a crime character from the UK called Bergerac used to, um, used to <laughs> frequent the island of... Uh, Jersey. Jersey. Right, yeah. OK. Yes, he's there. He, are, you, he actually, are you all right, Carlos? I'm really quite... <laughs> and uh, Nev's, Nev actually sent, Nev sent me a picture this afternoon, actually, from his, the view from his hotel, which actually, funnily enough, overlooks exactly where we were in September last year for the uh, oh, Jersey. that's nice. Which is nice. I think yeah. I think Nev's, Nev's in the process of securing some um, uh, good roomage for next goal for this year's uh, air show when we're back there. Some so. good roomage. Right. Yes. Okay. Big big balcony. I think he's trying to secure for us. I, I, I bet. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and uh, joining us this week, he's back again. It was good to have him back as always because he's normally busy flying somewhere, but. Uh, He's managed to put down the PC-12 and the Hawker and park it up for the night. It's Armando. Well, hello, everyone. Happy St. Paddy's Day. It's uh, If you're listening live to the show, it's probably somewhere between 1 in the afternoon and 3 in the morning if you're in <laughs> Australia. So I hope everybody's having a grand old time because we are. Yeah, absolutely, indeed. Are we, are we allowed to ask about the plane? Uh, it's not great. <laughs> my friends no <laughs> i continue getting bad news on its first annual oh dear right okay so i've actually been drinking for about three days straight since they 
every email that comes in from this uh, maintenance shop, I'm like, well, hold on. Before I read it, let me pop open another beer. Yeah, quite. So, yeah, absolutely. Prepared yeah. And, and and in readiness. So, I mean, I it's yeah. like, uh, I mean, I, I, hello. Is that um, is that Naked Wines? Yeah, yeah. send um, five thousand cases. <laughs> yeah, I am wearing a Naked Wines hat, so this is not. We're not sponsored by or promoting Naked Wines. More for pity, yeah, um, absolutely. For for every five hundred dollars that this uh, maintenance shop adds, I'm going to order another case of wine. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, the latest, the latest on the saga is um, apparently there's been a service bulletin on this airplane since 1948. Keeping in mind it's a 1946, and uh, had to do with an aileron bracket uh, replacement. And for the last, uh, I don't know, I can't do that math. However, 60 years, 70 years, it uh, hasn't been done. So uh, now wow. I'm going to have to fly the airplane under a ferry per ferry permit uh, because remember, a Piper Cub is made out of fabric and wood. Um, so I need to find somebody that uh, will <laughs> tear the airplane apart replace these brackets and then stitch it all back together and then paint it. So that's great. <laughs> it's been a great week. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Lovely. I'm, okay. I'm guessing we've gone, we've, gone, we've gone beyond the gaffer tape and... Um, you know yeah. you know who I need right now is Nick Camacho. I need. I, I would rather pay Nick Camacho to come to Charlotte for two weeks and do this repair as a brand new, newly minted A&P mechanic. Congratulations to Nick. Um, but yes, there you go. Airplane ownership. Lovely. Okay, so you're really enjoying it then, are you? <laughs> it is what it is. Okay, fair enough. I read that on a bumper sticker. Lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a phrase I've been using an awful lot myself this last uh, it's like because <laughs> it's, it's Mother's Day here in, in on on Sunday and I got uh, mama a Mother's Day card as is traditional uh, with the thing and it and it basically sort of set up the message I put into it is like wow, what a year it's been and I can't believe it's only March. <laughs> it's like I feel like a been hit like by a bus anyway uh yeah <laughs> well well um uh, maybe i can assist you when, when i'm out with you and may armando i'll bring some um well he's quite handy with a sander will that help blue. yeah sander <laughs> and he's, he's quite he's quite good with a hot gun, glue gun as well yeah glue gun <laughs> bright adhesive <laughs> yeah. i'll take it right yeah. okay and bailing wire i'm good with it yeah Super glue and paper Lovely. clips. Excellent. Good. What a what a win. Uh, failing that, failing that, Matt, I'll take Armando out a good old helping of Yorkshire tea. Yorkshire tea and Jaffa cakes. That's what he yes. needs. That'll that'll help him get through it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Absolutely. When you visit, you better bring him with you then. <laughs> right, okay. Well, I've well, got the Yorkshire tea. We can get that here. It's the Jaffa cakes that are hard to find. Right, uh, okay. okay. Ooh, there so we that's are. one suitcase. Oh, and bacon rashers. Don't forget your bacon rashers. Is right. this an aviation podcast? But <laughs> Listen, we, we've had offline conversations about British bacon rashers are up to the top of the list. Mazus, hello to you, Mazus. Good to see you in there. Lee Davies is in there as well. Let me scroll down. Richard Adams, hello to you. He's uh, got the beer icon there. Good to see a beer icon. Uh, our main man, Uncle Micah, is in there with the blue spanner of doom. Uh -huh. uh, we've got APG Show is in there. That's Captain Jeff. He's keeping an eye on things. Uh, John Jester. Uh, is also in there. Hobby Time, hello to you. Aaron P. Uh, Katie is in there as well, or she was in there. She's probably off. She'll have nodded off by now, to be fair. Yeah. She's gone out of gin. Yeah. Uh, no, she, she's usually here until we hit the commercial news stinger oh. and then she's off. Yeah. And uh, Cat, Cat Ridiculous Wits, good to see you in there. Ah, Cat yes. 
Scroll down, scroll down. Let me just make sure I don't miss any. Dirk S, hello to you, Dirk. He's uh, joining us tonight from the Austrian Alps. Oh, wow. yes, you do. <laughs> oh, blimey. Uh, Nick Codling, our guest from last week. Nick's in there. Hello to uh, you as well, Nick. He's uh, our latest or newest member of the team. Yeah. He's joining uh, joining the fold. Indeed, yes. I wonder if he's regretting it already. Probably. Probably yeah. <laughs> he, got, uh, he got hit with a barrage of information. I think yesterday, yeah. was it? It was just like, here, have all this data. Go. <laughs> uh, we've got our very own military photographer, Jonathan Warner. Ah, yes. Oh, yes, he sent me a picture, which I forgot to change. Hang on, let me do that one. Oh, while uh, Mark is in there as well. Hello to Mark Priestley. Good to see you in the chat room as well. And uh, welcome to everyone who's joined us this evening. Don't forget, if you're listening to our glorious voices on an audio podcast and you want to see just how stunning we look on the uh, YouTube screen, <laughs> take yourselves over to YouTube, oh, search for Plain Talking UK. I, I love forget... how you said that seriously. That's utterly brilliant. Well Don't done. Don't forget to click on that. Well, it's Armando. He's, he Not makes... quite, absolutely, yeah. Uh, hit the subscribe button, the bell icon to be notified when Matt is clicking on that live button on that uh, pc at home there and uh, yeah join in the fun in the chat room each week because uh, it's safe to say <laughs> the chat room's a lot of fun it is it? yeah yeah absolutely so we've got loads of stuff to get through on the show today loads of great news stories and we've got our caption this from uh, this week which sparked quite the interest um on social media this week because it refer refers to a certain host that's missing tonight oh does it oh no <laughs> More on that later. Yeah, uh, so, if all the team's ready, let's do some commercial news. Let's do it. And the first news story this week is coming to us from Times of Malta. And we're heading three hours across here from the UK on an aircraft over to my favourite island in the Mediterranean. It is, of course, at the island of Malta. And the headline, Ryanair says, Malta Air Traffic Controls, misbehaviour causes fuel wastage. Those naughty guys in that control tower. So misbehaviour by Malta's air traffic control was a leading uh, to longer flights and fuel wastage. The CEO of Ryanair subsidiary Malta Air, David O'Brien, claimed on Wednesday this week. Speaking at a press conference about his airline's summer schedule, he said unprofessional practices in the way aircraft were told to approach or take off Malta were costing his airline and others added or others added fuel costs as well. Uh, giving examples, he said aircraft were not being allowed to carry out a continuous descent approach and they had to also they had also been sent to unnecessarily holding positions without explanation. He said our calculations, if you take five minutes per movement, show that 700 extra tonnes of CO2 emissions were dumped on Malta as a result, he said. 
he said he was informed that Malta's armed forces were training, uh, which has also disrupted the misbehaviour by the local air traffic control as well. And the union in question, the Malta Air Traffic Controllers Association, uh, registered an in industrial dispute with Malta Air Traffic Services Limited, or MATS, in January after the two parties failed to reach an agreement on the renewal of the collective agreement. O'Brien also spoke about the impact of industrial action, which affects flights and giving an example of recent strikes by the French air traffic controllers affecting flights going through French airspace. He said Ryanair was calling on the European Commission, uh, the European Parliament, and anyone who is willing to listen to ensure that overflights over, or overflights over France were protected. If they want to have a strike and, and go ahead, but not at the detriment of the freedom of movement and the detriment of other flights, he said. So, uh, Armando, if you'd like to explain to us, as you are the uh, pilot in the room, uh, the continuous descent approach. Uh, is that is that like when you get on a sled and you start at the top of the hill and you <laughs> ski down to the bottom without stopping? Possibly. No, it's not? kind of it, right? Um, so without getting too, uh, without getting the crickets, let's just say, uh, the most commonly used arrival procedure or concept concept into big airports or, or a lot of airports is is a star a standard standard term, standard terminal arrival route right so like if you think about it it's a way for atc it's been around for a long time um and it's these little waypoints that that are leading in sometimes there's one star leading into an airport or like here i live in charlotte there's i think seven different stars that ATC is able to plan um, with minimal communications for aircraft to basically um, get onto this on-ramp to to an arrival procedure. And it's uh, if you think about it, uh, like a shopping mall, it's like having a bunch of people line up and going down the escalators. And you know you're going, hey, you're going from the seventh floor down to the sixth floor, and then you walk on the sixth floor for a little bit, and then down to the fifth floor, right? So it's it's a stair step type thing where ATC is able to control the flow and tell everybody, hey, here's the, the waypoints, the altitudes, and the speeds that you need to hit in order to arrive from this uh, the beginning of the star to the end of the star and, and, and with minimal communications, right? They just say, you're arriving via the stock car three arrival, period. And you are supposed to know what that is. Now, a continuous descent approach it, not super common here in the States. There was a conference not too long ago, I think in 2020 over there in Europe that uh, said, hey, we're going to use these these CDS, these continuous descent arrivals, uh, because it saves a bunch of gas and it and it and it saves noise. Right. So that those are the two biggest advantage is now at the top of this, the continuous descent arrival, the CDA, you can essentially on most of these airplanes go to idle. And it's just a more or less a three degree glide slope all the way from there to the instrument approach, initial approach fix, uh, and then all the way down. So what that does is the airplane is essentially gliding or at idle power from, from a high altitude all the way almost down mm -hmm. to uh, somewhere on the approach. The advantages of that, it saves a bunch of gas, right? So without having to level off uh, at these different floors, if you think about the, the shopping center analogy or the mall analogy, you don't, it's basically like riding an escalator down all the way instead of having to walk between the floors. So it saves a bunch of gas. It saves a bunch of uh, carbon emissions because the airplanes are at idle. 
And then at different points, um, on a star, you have, you know, you're configuring the airplane. So you're putting the flaps out, you're putting the gear out uh, in order to maintain speeds. Now you got to put the power up. So you're using power, probably more power than, than if you were clean. So um, th there are advantages to doing a CDA. The disadvantages to this and some of the risks are it's it's a high workload, right? Now you're now you're having to to monitor your progress basically on this this big glide path. Now, if you're just on a big glide path, there, there's you don't have time to or you don't have pre-planned points in that arrival to adjust either your speed, your altitude, or get configured or all that. Um, so you really got to be Johnny on the spot. It's a little bit more labor intensive. Um, and most of these airplanes, anybody that flies jets, um, it's hard to slow down and descend at the same time. So um, the now all that being said, like John, you know, <laughs> John Jester in the chat room, I'm sure he's he's done plenty of these. Um, the one of the the things is not every airplane is equipped to do this, uh, which is why I don't think it's been super popular here in the states. Although it was tested. Uh, I think from like 2004 to 2008 in, uh, I think it was LAX, Louisville, Miami, Atlanta, a couple other places, but um, a lot of the airplanes. So like John uh, in the chat room is saying, uh, essentially you need VNAV vertical navigation or plane capable of doing vertical navigation and some auto throttles, right? In his case, it's easier, but some of these business jets, uh, even some of the airliners, right? Like a CRJ 200, I think some of them don't even have VNAV capabilities. Uh, they, some of them don't have auto throttle capabilities. So it's more work on the pilots. And one of the, the craziest limitations, so I'm, I'm, I know I'm kind of ranting here, but aviation has the ability to leap forward uh, exponentially with the technology. But the problem is that you always have to make it backwards compatible with airplanes that don't have that technology. It's why, it's why we still use VHF AM radios, which is like the, the most inefficient way to communicate. But but you can't mandate to everybody go to like FM radios. Um, it's the same thing with this, right? It's it's a great concept. It's great in theory. It saves a bunch of gas, saves a bunch of noise. But you have to make sure that every arrival is backwards compatible with the technology that is currently in the airplanes. Eventually, will we get there? maybe um and then and then you get that weirdness of well how do you intermingle continuous descent approach capable traffic with non-cda capable traffic um so there are some risks to it um there are definitely advantages to it uh yeah so so related to the story basically they were saying that that the air traffic controllers were saying you are not allowed to do a cda in in into this into malta um so that does cost the airline money um that's that's at the end of the day that's that's who's paying for it right so i mean we have the the environmental advantage of, of carbon emissions reduction but at the end of the day um it is a it's it's a money thing with with fuel for the airlines so they're being told they can't do it and they're kind of fighting back on it was that short enough to not get the crickets <laughs> oh, that's very good very good okay. <laughs> Quite indeed. Uh, no, I, I, I said to Lee, I'll agree with Lee in the chat room. He just said that, but uh, Luca has um, definitely grown in the last uh, sort of ten years. You, if you haven't been to Malta or Luca Airport in Malta, in probably if you've not been there for about 
six or seven years and you went back now, you'd notice a huge change at that airport. Mm. Considering how small the island is, the airport is very, very um, well uh, put together. So, yeah. Matt, you have got the next story, and, um, well, it's uh, the 380s are coming back. Yeah, indeed. Uh, just a short one, this, actually. It's from flightglobal.com, and the headline is, First Airbus A380 re-delivered to Etihad after the pandemic grounding. Gulf operator Etihad Airways has taken re-delivery of its first example of an A380 ahead of returning to ultra-large jet the, uh, returning uh, the ultra large jet to service this summer storage and MRO specialist tarmac aerosave today says it has re-delivered the first of Etihad's a380s back to the airline the aircraft has been stored and maintained at tarmac's site in Turrell in Spain before being shipped to the Gulf carrier after further maintenance work at its French facility in Tarbes uh, Etihad grounded its 10 A380s indefinitely in April 2021, having parked the type as a part or as part of a wider action when COVID hit a year earlier. However, the type earned an unexpected stay of execution with the carrier, as strong demand prompted it to judge it was financially viable to restore some of the jets to service. The carrier is bringing back four of its 10 A380s, initially deploying the aircraft on its Abu Dhabi to London Heathrow route. Tarmac in de December re-delivered the first A380 from storage for Lufthansa, another carrier which has opted to bring the type back into service to meet strong demand this summer. So, I mean, that's good news, isn't it? I mean, it's not just... Um, it's not just sort of BA and um, uh, like Emirates that that think this carrier still had this air, this amazing aircraft still has mm. a future. Yeah, plus Etihad does have a very very nice uh, um, uh, you know package for for passengers in there with their uh, business class and mm. their um, you know their first class is it the res residence at Etihad? Yeah, I, I think so. Or is yeah. that, or is that the the um, Emirates equivalent? Or is that, no, no, it's not Emirates. I'm, I think I'm sure it's Etihad. <laughs> they, they've got a very good product, though. To be fair, Etihad. Mm. So, um, and I, I know through um, speaking to certain people that that particular route from Abu Dhabi to London Heathrow is a very popular route. Mm. Yeah, yeah, not just for um, holidaymakers, but for business as well. Yeah, so. I bet. I bet. Armando, we have a new airline coming soon. Yeah, from AIN Online, amongst other places, Saudi Arabia is launching a new airline. Uh, the Crown's Prince Mohammed bin Salman formally announced this last Sunday the creation of a new airline called Riyadh Air. Uh, it has just placed an order for uh, some Boeing 787-9s, uh, specifically 39 of them, uh, with an option for 33 other aircraft. Uh, the aircraft are expected to be delivered in early 2025, although the timeline for those deliveries have not actually been uh, finalized yet. Um, Riyadh Air, which initially used the name RIA, uh, this is uh, Saudi Arabia's plan to launch a new mega airline that is intended to compete with the other major Gulf carriers. Uh, it will be based at King Khalid International Airport and is part of Saudi Arabia's wider strategic plan to transform the country into a global aviation hub. Uh, the country plans to invest at least $100 billion in aviation by 2030. Uh, the current national airline, Saudia, will continue to exist, uh, but will be based in Jeddah, and Riyadh Air will serve both the 
tourists and business travelers, you know, as most of those Gulf carriers do. And its uh, goal, at least their public goal, is to be the size of Emirates, at least, but in a quarter of the time. So um, speaking of uh, Etihad, which you guys were, the uh, former CEO, Tony Douglas, has been brought on as that new CEO for Saudi, for Riyadh, for Riyadh Air. So we'll see. There's one thing just to note from all these airlines and stuff that are based or this new airline, obviously, that's based over in the Middle East and obviously Emirates and that. They can afford to do this because their fuel prices are a lot less than they are in the US and the UK. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they're uh, the the in the Middle East. There are so many resources, not just, you know, petroleum based, but there's so many resources that. Uh, so many investments that are taken on in the Middle East in the Middle East are calculated and they're and like calculated to be successful. So if I were to put my money on this, I would I would almost guarantee you know that the that the the drive to make it successful is probably going to be there and pretty strong. So I can only imagine that in the next couple of years, really the next two years, we're gonna we'll probably see Riyadh Air up there competing as far as a, uh, a product quality routes and all that stuff with, with, you know, Emirates and all those guys. So the next story comes to us from skytracksratings.com. And well, we've not had a top 10 for a little while. We've got a top 20 and this is the Skytrax awards for the best airports. Uh, Skytrax, a UK based uh, review, review, uh, spit out, review and ranking site in the UK here compiles its list by surveying uh, travellers from across the world and asking them to rate the entire airport experience from check-in right through to departures and everything in between. The winner of the world's best airport was crowned at the Passenger Terminal Expo back in the 15th of March this year, which was held over in Amsterdam. So we'll start off at number 20 on the list. And uh, in at number 20 was Vancouver International Airport. At number 19 was Melbourne Airport over in Australia. Number 18 was Seattle Tacoma International Airport. At 17, Dubai International Airport. Well, I thought that would have been a bit higher. but uh. Yeah, do you, do you rate it? Yeah, it's a lovely. It's, I've flown through Dubai a number of times. Mm. It's a very, very clean airport and very right. spacious and plenty to do as well. But th this is more about like the facilities, I suppose. I mean, is that yeah. you're right? Uh, Nagoya is at number 16, uh, International Airport. And at number 15, Osaka, Kansai International Airport. Number 14, we're back in Europe. It's uh, Copenhagen Airport. Then it's uh, number 13, it's one of uh, Jenny's favourites, the Rome <laughs> Fiumicino Airport over in Italy. Number 12, Helsinki, uh, Venata Airport. And uh, number 11 was Vienna International Airport. Number 10, Madrid, Badras Airport. Uh, number nine, Tokyo Narita International Airport. I'd love to go to Tokyo. It's one mm. of my I'd love to go to. Uh, number eight was Zurich Airport. Uh, number seven, Munich. Uh, at number six, Istanbul Airport, which is quite a new airport, actually, the new airport they opened up in Istanbul. Nothing's broken yet. That's why it's all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Number five, this is probably the most shocking one on this entire list, and I think pretty much nearly all the hosts commented on the show notes for this. Number five was Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport. <laughs> I don't quite know how that got that high up the list. What? 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 what, what why do you think it's a bad it's airport? Like, oh my God, Matt! It's like going back into it's like going back into Austin Powers world. Right. Okay. But I mean, retro is all the rage at the moment. I mean, it's. But if it, it again, if this is measured, you know, the world's best airport and all that kind of thing is measured yeah. on the experience that they get in terms of the staff that are working it. Maybe the appearance of the airport is less of a factor than perhaps you 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 think. Perhaps. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Neville Bounds in the chat room is saying Charles de Gaulle. Seriously? Yeah. Well, quite. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Number four, Incheon International Airport, Seoul. Uh, number three, Tokyo Haneda International Airport, or Haneda. Uh, number two, Hamad International Airport, um, in the Middle East. And at number one was Singapore Changi Airport, the world's best airport dining and the world's best airport leisure amenities. Oh, I like the sound of that. that which sounds... obviously means they've got some of those those um, massive fancy, fancy chairs yeah absolutely where you, yeah. Where you uh, you know put your 10,000 pounds in and get 2 minutes of um yeah indeed. they've got they've got the fancy thing that you put around your neck that that yeah. sort of does that as well uh, special mention goes as well to Bahrain International Airport who took up uh, took the top honors uh, with the award for the world's best airport baggage oh. delivery which i have to say is probably quite an important one there mm. but uh, Armando I expect you're quite upset to see only one was at Seattle, um, one U.S. airport in that list. I was surprised to see that, but you know I have not been to many of these airports, so I guess in typical American fashion, I would love to think that we have the best of everything. But <laughs> I know that some of these airports are really nice, based on actually your guys' experience, and even in the chat room, uh, people are always telling us, you know, they're about their good and bad experiences. Mm. <laughs> Nev. Um, um. <laughs> is, is Seattle is Seattle quite nice then? I wonder. Oh, I haven't been to Seattle in many, many, many years. Oh, okay. It's probably been ten years since I've been up there. Gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Might have changed. Uh, you know. Uh, didn't didn't was that wasn't that one of Micah's stops when he went like three ways around oh, the world to get to the four hundredth? Yeah. <laughs> it was either Portland or Seattle. It was one of those. He's in the chat. Room, so. Yeah, and I'm sure John's gone there. Plenty, right? Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Oh, hello in the chat room to Jan, who's in there. Hello to you. He's in there. And also, Plain Safety Podcast. Hello, Pip. Oh, He's hello, Pip. As well this evening. Hello to you. Indeed. Uh, now, Matt, yes. you have got uh, the next story, and uh, we're going all green again, aren't we? We are indeed, yes. So, the story uh, we have to for this one, the headline is... Uh, oh, in fact, there isn't a headline, so we'll just launch straight into it. But it's from a couple of sources is mainly euronews.com and it's talking about successful test flights of hydrogen powered plane uh, giving sustainable aviation a well needed lift uh, Los Angeles based uh, startup Universal Hydrogen has successfully completed a 15 minute test flight with its turboprop powered regional airliner using a hydrogen engine. Earlier this month, its plane, nicknamed Lightning McLean, I like that, uh, 
<laughs> successfully completed a 15 minute test flight in the US with a pilot and two flight crew on board. It made two passes around the airfield at Moses Lake, Washington at a low altitude of about 3,500 feet according to the developer of the plane, Universal Hydrogen. During the second circuit over the airport, the test pilots throttled back the controversial engine and cruised primarily on one hydrogen powered engine. The adapted ATR-72 aircraft can usually accommodate around 70 passengers but the large liquid hydrogen tank reduces the capacity down to about 40 passengers. This aircraft is by far the largest aircraft to use principally using hydrogen power. With the large liquid hydrogen tanks on board the range of an aircraft has to be compromised. The company estimates their current models designed for regional airliners can fly only around half of the gas fueled plane 1600 kilometer uh, range. Uh, Universal Hydrogen has already made deals with carriers in the US and Europe for its hydrogen airliners with Connect Airlines placing an order for the conversion of, a, of 75 ATR 72-600 regional airplanes to hydrogen power trains. Uh, now we've got a couple of photos of the aircraft doing its test flight here. Uh, I mean and I suppose this is the one of the advantages here is of course it doesn't look particularly different uh, to a standard um, ATR 72 does that's, it I mean that's not an ATR is it not nope too short that's a that's a dash eight that's a Q400 Q400 yeah okay right interesting I mean it is hydrogen it is that company but uh, that's not an ATR uh, either way I was going to say this is, you know, every couple of weeks we're doing a story about either hydrogen, hybrid, uh, sustainable aviation fuels. Every single time that I hear one of these stories, I just have Neil, you know, friend of the show, Neil Cluffley's uh, on my shoulder thinking, boy, they're just going about it the wrong way. Yeah. Also, it's worth noting that, that Matt said in that story that... Um, the aircraft that uh, I said here, the aircraft usually accommodates 70 passengers, but because of that tank, it knocks that down to 40. That's quite a lot. You know, it's quite a lot of space. Well, presumably these are, I mean, it's not, it's not even just the space, is it? I mean, I presume these, th there's quite a lot of weight associated with these as well. So, which is perhaps why the range is compromised as well. Hmm. Hmm. Still a long yeah, way to go, isn't there? I think. Yeah. 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 Mm. I guess we'll continue doing the stories until we finally yeah. land on something. Indeed, indeed. Exactly. So, Armando, you have got the next story, and it's about the, the things that you know how to fly. <laughs> well, here, here's a story about not, not landing on something. Uh, this is from uh, Flying Magazine and some uh, local news media outlets. This was a, a thief crashed a helicopter at Sacramento Executive Airport after breaking into multiple helicopters overnight. This was just a couple nights ago. Now, somebody trespassed onto the property between four and six in the morning and tried to start four different helicopters that were sitting on the tarmac, according to the Sacramento police. That person eventually got one helicopter started and then promptly crashed it. Um, oh. <laughs> now, un unbelievably, the person was okay and they fled the scene. Uh, they weren't actually aware of any injuries, but the FBI is now in charge of the incident and said that there is a person of interest. Uh, hopefully it's nobody that we know in, 
in the show, right? But um, either way, uh, Special Agent in Charge, uh, Sean Reagan, said that they had uh, compiled some evidence, some witness information, and, of course, surveillance video that led them to this person of interest. Uh, however, they they did not reveal how that person may be connected to the airport or the helicopter, which is actually owned by Capital Helicopters. And of course, the FBI is trying to figure out the why. Why would somebody want to steal a helicopter? Um, now, a statement from Capital Helicopters said, sometime early this morning, several helicopters operated by our company were vandalized by an individual unknown to us, and one aircraft is severely damaged. And Matt's got some pictures there that I think he'll probably put up. All of their employees are safe. We do not believe that anybody was injured in today's events. The incident is currently under investigation by several state and federal authorities, and they are hopeful that the person responsible is located quickly and that they have no information at the time. Uh, yeah, as you can imagine, the uh, FBI is there, the FAA is there, the NTSB is investigating. Everybody was there pretty much that morning. Um, there was a security guard at the airport, but they said that it was nap time. The yeah, the guard would. We'll just go with unaware that the incident right. was happening. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They did that. Yeah. So, uh, crazy. Like, maybe, I don't know. I, maybe somebody's got a little bit too much Microsoft Flight Simulator and thought that it was okay that, you know, I don't know. Crazy. Or they, or they just broke in and then got the phone on YouTube and they were like, how to start a <laughs> Robinson. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. Here we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Mark in the chat room says, please don't leave the keys in the ignition. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have keys? That's true. I don't... Does this sound like a really daft question? <laughs> uh, no, the, they don't. Not to start it. I mean, the doors have keys. Right, okay. But, but I mean, once, you, I once you're in... There's nothing to once stop in, you from, in, yeah, yeah you, you, it's not like you need, you know, at least with your, your car key, you've got to hotwire the thing to fire to fire the car up. Do you know what I mean? I, I feel uh, like there should be at least like a, a like a keypad that you type in to like, you know, the start code or something. I don't know. I feel like some element of security should be I present. Remember, remember the, 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 the club plane uh, where at Beckles, where I, where I done most of my flying, the, the 150 had a little key. Amanda will know this. Uh, had a little key which you used to have to put in, obviously, to to well, not to start it, but to get everything to turn on, switch on the electrics and stuff. But it, it was like a really stubby, tiny key, and literally anything that resembled closely that key would fit and turn in the in the hole. It was, yeah, yeah. Uh, in all seriousness, security is a, a huge issue here in the U.S. I mean, even in 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 our Charlotte area, um, thieves are aware that each piece of equipment inside some of these aircraft, even general, light, light general aviation aircraft, you know, a, even an older Garmin 430, Garmin 530 unit in an, in an old Cessna or something like that is, uh, is worth five, six, $7,000. A touchscreen GPS unit, the Garmin 750 is, is 10 to $15,000. So man, uh, move, move aside catalytic converters because, you know, we airplane theft is a, is a legitimate problem here in the U.S. and and here in the U.S. here in Charlotte, we've had a break uh, a, a rash of break-ins into aircraft, um, and they're stealing mostly GPS units. Oh, really? And then reselling them on Facebook, reselling them on black market. Uh, so if you are an airplane owner, I think most of us know, but you you have to really really watch out that the piece of equipment that you're buying is legit. 
that it's certified, that it's got the appropriate documentation coming with it. Um, but yeah, it's a real problem, unfortunately. Mm. Indeed. Yeah, um, Richard Adams in the chat room saying huge and ongoing program uh, problem with the theft of Rotax engines, um, mm. often removed from remote small fields. Rotax engines are incredibly popular in so many different applications, you know, from snow machines to, you know, mills that a Rotax engine is, is really, really popular. So crazy. Yeah. I mean, is the solution like security coding them maybe so that, you know, you know, you know, like uh, this, this is, is going to sound really daft, but well, no, I mean, going back to like the GPS units and stuff that Armando's talking about there is the answer uh, like you do with your car stereo where you have to know like the four digit pin code that's only available in the handset for example, to to like, um, you know, to when you power it down and plug it into a, an, another car, you've got to be able to put that code in in order for, for it to keep working. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. They, um, you know... I mean, I they could, can do it with a car stereo. I can't see why they can't do it with a device that is far more sophisticated. Yeah, I could just see the FAA balking at that because, they're, you know, sometimes you have to recycle the unit Oh, okay. while you're in the air so <laughs> if you're flying ifr and your mm -hmm. avionics goes out you have to recycle your gps and then you put in the pin code two times wrong because it's oh, and turbulent yeah. and bouncy now you're locked out and <laughs> i don't know yeah I, that it um that's not you know poo-pooing on, on that idea there has to be a way to do, to do this uh, but most of these things are uh you know receivers only not transmitters so could you do a remote type thing i don't know maybe um yeah, I don't know, but wow, um, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't know what the solution is really. <laughs> yeah, barbed wire, barbed wire, electric, electric fences, keys, yeah. proper keys, yeah. <laughs> stun guns. Well, I mean, again, my cub is made out of fabric, so you could you could stick a pencil on the side and rip the fabric and <laughs> yeah, grab true. whatever you yeah, wanted yeah. out of it. Yeah. I can't do that, Amanda. It's got enough stresses at the minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's got... I don't know. Maybe, you know, I got to find a fabric guy anyway. So if you're going to steal something, that guy, go ahead and do it now. <laughs> Sorry. We, I we may could... be a little jaded on do, this. No, I, no we, could... we hadn't noticed. It's fine. <laughs> we, we, could ask, we could ask our T-shirt manufacturer, Armando, just to, just to send you a ton of P2K yeah. embroidered fabric. And you yeah, can just... just... Just like paper mache it on the side of the airplane. Yeah. I'm sure it'd be fine. I think I'd look good. I think I'd look good. I'll just turn in my registration and make it experimental, and then you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the next story in the list, and this one's from the ngadget.com. Nice. And uh, obviously in the last few weeks, we've had about 600 million events where aircraft have either tried to land on each other on the runways or, or fly into each other on the runways. And uh, over the, the headline is, US airports now have software to prevent aircraft from landing on taxiways by mistake. So over the past few years, and with the recent issues and rises and close calls at US airports, there's a new technology that will prevent further major accidents. It's a guy standing on the side going, don't land, don't land. Okay. Uh, the Federal Aviation Administration tells Axios that 43 major US airports are now using ASD, 
or ASDEX, uh, Taxiway Arrival Protect or Prediction, or ATAP, a software platform that warns air traffic controllers if an aircraft is lining up on a taxiway by mistake. An aviator shouldn't endanger lives on the ground simply because they're inexperienced, they said, or fatigued. As was the case last year when an Air Canada airliner almost landed on several other aircraft waiting to take off at San Francisco. The system relies on standard radar along with other sensors and also works regardless of aircraft size. It can flag small turboprops, large airliners, and ATAP first saw use at Seattle's Tacoma International Airport back in 2018. And the FAA says it finished software upgrades at compatible airports last September. Some of the airports using the tech include Boston Logan, Chicago O'Hare, and New York's JFK. Unfortunately, they said we're not sure it will stop Harrison Ford from landing on any taxiways. Oh, wow. Golf courses. <laughs> uh, this is more than just a theoretical exercise. The FAA notes ATAP has caught over 50 potential taxiway landings since 2018, and there's been eight alerts so far this year in 2023. While accidental landings are far less common than crashes, and thus far less deadly, the software may still be helpful, even if it presents chaos from an aircraft disrupt oh, disrupting the queue. Uh, ATAP's rise comes as aircraft and airports increasingly rely on digital air safety systems. Airbus, for instance, recently began testing a pilot assist that can automatically divert flights in emergencies. Uh, aid with taxiing and even land the pilots uh, land for the pilots uh, if they're in, in, incapacitated. Uh, full autonomy is still distant, but there soon may be many safeguards against everything from simple errors to unconscious crew. Yeah. Software. Uh, then. So apologies to the author of this article. They didn't put the Harrison Ford comment in there. I did. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> there you go. No, no. Uh, uh, just taking a taking a jab at Harrison Ford because why not? Sure, um, I, I don't think he'll mind. <laughs> I don't think he'll mind. You know what? It, since he does listen to the show as of an course. aviation enthusiast, absolutely, just go ahead and write us an email. In fact, you can just come on the show and I'll, we'll apl apologize personally. Person, absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. I would definitely be up for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Carlos, you mentioned ASDEX. That's uh, airport surface detection equipment. That's uh, it, basically, there's a, these. Uh, there, there's a tower on the tower on the control tower. There's some remote towers or some sensors around the air, airport. Works off of ADSB, right? So acronyms within acronyms. ADSEX works off of ADSB. Lovely. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, that's not confusing. Um, I'm 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 on board. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, basically, nano, uh, nano. except picks up the transponders from not just aircraft, but vehicles, ground vehicles. So um, it's a way for the air, for the tower to, or ground control to monitor um, all of the traffic that's on the ground. This, what they're talking about in this article is a little bit different and it is, it's something that's up in the tower and, it, and it's de designed to alert the air traffic controllers, that final controller, if an aircraft seems to be lined up uh, on a taxiway as opposed to the runway or on the wrong runway that they were assigned. Um, so there's some logic behind it, but uh, all, all of these things, you know, especially right now, like you mentioned there, Carlos, like there's been this, uh, this, it's, I don't know if it's just more visible now because of the media, the media's kind of uh, latched onto it. 
but these what they're calling all these close calls and these go arounds and runway incursions, taxiway incursions, things like that. Um, this is they're they're coming up with these technologies to try to avoid these kinds of, of mishaps from happening. And you know, I think all of us in the in the aviation industry are kind of just on edge right now, just thinking, oh, yeah. you know, there, there's I so many close calls, but. I, I do think you're onto something there, Armando. And we did say that because I don't think you were here um, for one of the. You sent us some uh, videos, I know, for that. Um, but uh, I, I do feel like perhaps that this has been going on probably as much as it is at the moment. It's just that it's a bit like anything, isn't it? Like we had like Jet Two, uh, or, or and then other airlines always hitting the news because of fights that were breaking out on board. And you're thinking, oh crikey, the world's gone completely bananas. When in reality they were happening before, but because like a few yeah. stories have appeared, um, you know, the media has latched onto that. And I just, I personally suspect that that's probably what's happening here personally. Yeah, uh, you know, there's certainly an aspect to that. I think, uh, you know, there was an article, another article published this week that we're not talking about on the show, but it has to do with the staffing at the FAA. They're severely understaffed. And then and then now post-COVID travel, they're, they're really like trying to jam these airplanes in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, and anybody that's in the chat room or a listener uh, has either been part of, had to go around or uh, been the catalyst for a go around because you know sometimes there's a loss of separation uh, sometimes just you know the, the opposing bases guys call it the the squeeze play you know how, how does the squeeze play work um, you know an air traffic control is doing their best to get everybody in and out of these airports sometimes in fact more often like you're saying Matt more often than most people think these kinds of things don't work out, whether it's winds or weather or just an airplane takes a little bit too long to get off the runway yeah. and people have to go around. It actually happens pretty regularly. But these kinds of, of misaligned, you know, with a taxiway, things like that, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, that that's something that is preventable. Um, John is talking about the, uh, it's an extra piece of the Swiss cheese to stop an accident. Um, we, we talk a lot about in crew resource management about the Swiss cheese model, which is like the holes lining up in the cheese. And that's, that's what an accident happens is this, this is an, an attempt to create another barrier to break that error chain um, in a mishap potentially happening. Mm. So. Hmm. Indeed. Very interesting. Now, Matt, you've got a story. And this this shocked me slightly when I read this one earlier on today it? <laughs> because, well, it's just bizarre because you know we have incidents that happen on in the aviation world mm. that get reported on, you know, after the fact, mm. and this this one is quite after the fact. It is indeed very very strange. Uh, this is from. Um... It is Jalop Nick, uh, J A L O P N I K dot com. Uh, and it's uh, the headline is An airline is fined $225,000 after police had to free passengers from a flight in Florida. Uh, the U.S. Department of Transportation has decided to find German carrier Eurowings $225,000 for an incident that happened in Fort Lauderdale in Florida four 
years ago. Transatlantic flights are already uncomfortable experiences at their core. Uh, passengers in economy have to spend at least a third of a day in a cramped seat, shoulder to shoulder. shoulder. Now imagine crossing the ocean and spending an extra five and a half hours trapped on a plane as it is sat on the tarmac. I mean, especially in Florida, I can only imagine the heat as well, unless they kept the APU running. In July 2019, Eurowings flight EW1182 was travelling from Dusseldorf Airport in Germany to Miami International Airport due to a weather-related closure. The Eurowings Airbus A330 was forced to divert to Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. The A330 landed at 5.14pm local time and parked at a remote stand after spending 10 hours flying and 30 minutes holding in hopes of landing in Miami. The Eurowings flight crew requested to deplane the passengers and transport them to the terminal by bus but was unable to fill the US Customs and Border Patrol requirements to do so. CBP uh, required that checked baggage be offloaded if the passengers were to be deplaned, but that there were no ground handlers available to offload the uh, bags. The passengers were stuck on the plane. Two hours later, ground handlers were finally available. However, the Eurowings flight crew declined to deplane the passengers and requested to fly to Miami. The Airbus A330 sat on the tarmac for an additional three and a half hours until Eurowings was informed that Miami Miami International Airport was still closed due to poor weather conditions. That's when passengers, uh, restless and fed up with the situation, called local police. With police assistance, the flight's 268 passengers finally deplaned at 10.50pm in Fort Lauderdale uh, in response to this week's fine from the US Department of Transportation. Eurowings stated that it didn't operate regularly scheduled services out of Fort Lauderdale, only uh, diverted there as a last resort and didn't have the necessary services there for the flight in question. The uh, German carrier feels that the tarmac delay was caused by forces beyond its control and that it shouldn't face the fine. Hmm. It, it, staff I mean, or no staff? Yeah. When... I know there's things you have to do and, and specific security things that you have to put into place in this situation but you know even if you had a hole even if you had a holding area at the gate with the with the barriers or the doors shut and just got the the um passengers off the aircraft rather than sitting on the aircraft it's unforgivable and i'm i sincerely hope some of that two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars um get gets stitched out between the passengers yeah it just seems an awful lot of money do you know what i mean it's like I don't know. I, I just I, I feel like the I, I feel like there was no need for them to be you know paperwork in place or not. I feel like there was no need for them to be sat on the tarmac mm. in an aircraft. I mean, it doesn't say unfortunately in the article whether it was uh, whether the APU was running and stuff. But I mean, even if it was a cool day, mm. it's still gonna be hellishly stuffy and hot and bothered in in there. I mean, it's just just awful, really. Have you guys seen Super Troopers? The, well, movie. The, f the film, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can like this is what I'm picturing, where the customs and border patrol is like surrounding the, the airplane, not letting anybody off, but somebody calls the local cops, nah. and then the local cops oh, show yeah. up, 
right? The local cops show up and they're like, no, no, let them off. And the CBP's like, no, we are the stateies. Um, and then the, like a, a police fight ensues and and eventually the the passengers get off the airplane. That I know, that's that's what I pictured when I, when we were reading this. But like, uh, I'm with you guys. This is a, a fail on CBP's part. They, you know, at the end of the day, they're still humans. There's probably babies. There's probably families. There's probably mm. elderly people. Uh, it it would have been much more humane probably to just find an area, even if you load them onto buses. Yeah, and then take them to a warehouse. Like control it. You're <laughs> you're the cops. You can do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You've yeah got absolutely. Guns. You yeah, can control indeed. the people. They probably did. Yeah. Although to be fair, they, they probably didn't call the cops until like three, three or four hours in. By which time, you know, like a solution was being found. But I, I, as I say, I just feel this could have been managed in a totally different way without too much hassle. Do you, um... Tony, Tony S is saying, by the way, the airport should have should have contingency plans for unexpected well, yeah. diversions. Yeah, that's a really good point, isn't it? Like, I, I, you know, thanks, Tony. That's that's a really good point. Uh, you know, because I mean. Even if it's not an, um, I mean, I, I suppose if you're flying an A320, you know, if you're f uh, flying an A380, for example, you are a bit limited about, because it's more about the runway length, isn't it? But surely uh, there must... Port Lauderdale is an international airport. It's, right. Okay. It's big, yeah. So they would, they, they, you know... They should, they really should have something in place. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Even if it's not and not helped by the Eurowings guys saying, no, well, we're not going to deplane them now because, you know, we, we, we're going to fly on to Miami. And then, of course, you, you know, the, you know, there's lots of factors here that, that could have perhaps been processed and or handled differently. Yeah. But as you say, I, I, it's the passengers I actually feel sorry for that, you know, mm -hmm. there. And I'm not surprised that somebody called the cops saying this is ridiculous. You know, do you, remember, do you remember a few years back, guys, we covered that story um, about that, that captain on that aircraft who brought all these passengers um pizza. pizzas mm. when the aircraft yeah. was delayed Do you remember that he got the pizzas delivered to the aircraft while it was on stand god can you imagine how on <laughs> be an unusual order for dominoes wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> so was it 200 and yeah uh 268 gosh yeah that, that'd have been one hell of an order yeah that would yeah anyway moving swiftly on armando this story, when this when this came out on the uh, the news this week, I thought this was this was this was something I could honestly imagine you doing. <laughs> right, okay. Well, I don't know about that, but, but um, Matt, if you're able to play out the video, go ahead and yep. and do it. But this is uh, you know, if everything goes wrong with my old school original Cub, then uh, maybe I can buy myself a carbon Cub, which is basically a this is a huge advertisement for carbon Cub. What a what an incredibly capable airplane. This was uh, put on by Red Bull. Uh, they gave the uh, uh, Luke Sapila, uh, Mike Patey, who I've met a couple times, Cub Crafters. I've flown a couple Cub Crafters, uh, Carbon Cubs. Uh, they gave him a pretty visible, highly visible stage there in Dubai. Um, but for all pilots who enjoy the challenge, the challenge of landing short enough to take off from uh, to take the first turnoff from the runway, that's me. Uh, Cub Crafters. <laughs> just raised the bar and if you watch any of the stole drag races at reno <laughs> you can see uh, some pretty cool uh, uh stole short takeoff and landings but the aircraft maker uh cub crafters collaborated with red bull and an extreme sports promoter uh, x dubai to stage the landing of this carbon cub on top of the helipad atop this the 56 so story burj al arab hotel in dubai um uh, Luke uh, Sapila, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he's a Red Bull Air Race pilot, Carbon Cub owner. 
flew a modified version of the aircraft onto the pad, which is about 90 feet wide and 695 feet above sea level. As you do. <laughs> yeah, and you could see there was some, uh, you know, Mist, there was some missed approaches. <laughs> yeah, missed attempts there, yeah. Cubcrafters uh, President CEO Patrick Hogan said, all the big moments start with little ideas powered by imagination and the desire to create something special. Red Bull has done many projects over the years that have inspired aviators worldwide. So we are honored to join them on this project to demonstrate the incredible capabilities of the kinds of aircraft that our company designs and manufactures. Um, Cubcrafters uh, Vice President Brad Dem said that the two years of planning went into this and that the successful landing on this helipad really pushed the limits of what is a best-in-class stole aircraft. And I couldn't agree more. Again, I've flown uh, Cub Crafters. We actually did an interview um, at Oshkosh a couple years ago, 2019, where we aired out. I got a chance to fly the Cub, the Cub Crafters um, Carbon Cub up at uh, one of the remote airfields from Oshkosh. We played it out on this show. Uh, Mike Patey, he goes out to Reno a couple times. He's had a great following on YouTube. He's got some great projects that he's uh, that he's uh, produced over the, the years. And he also owns a Carbon Cub. And he did join the technical crew in uh, making the modifications to the aircraft. So um, there you go. Pretty cool. That I video is so... So good. It is. Yeah, no, it really is. I'm not sure that I would try it in person, but maybe Microsoft Flight Simulator will come out with something like this. Yeah, quite, absolutely. Do you know the the best bit for me, though, and of course, obviously, it's far less risky trying to take off from there, of course, because once you've sort of fallen off the end there, as long as the engine's spinning and running and all that kind of thing, you're onto a thing. But like with the smokes and then, you know, sort of going into a, I guess you call that a stall, yeah, where you you sort of like come off the, you just literally dive off the end there. Yeah, dive off and then. There, just, yeah. I mean, just beyond beautifully done. Do you know, what I mean, the the whole landing and then taking off again with with uh, you know full on smoke trail and stuff. It, just a, a just a, a mark of respect to the man. I, I you know I doff my I doff my cap to him. Well done to him. Yeah, absolutely, well him. indeed. Uh, Going to say hello to David, who's joined us in the chat room. David's joining us from Adelaide in Australia. As hello you do, to you, right. David. <laughs> okay. It's. Um, I can imagine what's Adelaide. That would be oh, uh, very early in the morning. Not worth thinking about. Probably 6 a.m. or something. Stupid, early in the morning. Yeah. yeah, it's early in the morning. Might even be 5 a.m. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, next story it comes to us courtesy of Rich Goodwin, Rich Goodwin Airshows.com. And uh, those of you who watch the show will know that I have a penchant for aircraft parts in my office no I, that's brand new and shocking information <laughs> with my triple seven window the tri-star yeah. window and various other pieces of aircraft littered around yeah. my office here but this guy has gone to the next level so rich goodwin um, air show aerobatics and former RAF tornado pilot has been undertaking a fascinating project to strap two atm links jet turbine engines to a modified pits S2S. The initial concept was born after an informal chat with Eddie Sewerman, who designed the jet Waco and Yak 110. Uh, he said he felt uh, Europe needed something different on the airshow circuit, and they joked that we could just bolt two jet engines to the pits and fly it after a weekend's work. Here we are several years later, he said, and almost ready to go, having 
overcome several regulation issues. I don't doubt that at all. Tailplane temperatures, containment of turbines in case of rotor burst, and additional structural analysis on the airframe due to the mass thrust and gyroscopic loads on the airframe. The two ATM links jet turbines deliver 700 pounds of thrust and in combination with the eight and a half litre lycoming, a total thrust of 1,700 pounds of thrust. The aircraft, which weighs in at 1,550 pounds, is, well, it's not very heavy at all as it could do with a, with a meal or two. Uh, the aircraft, Golf Juliet Papa Indigo t um, Tango, that's the beer kicking in here, has been built from scratch over four years. While it has a Pitts S2S base, the wing design is very different. Bigger ailerons and more wing area give a phenomenal roll rate and better low speed handling. J-Pitt has completed a test flying with the AMT turbines mounted, but is currently not authorised to run them during the flight. All test flying so far has been has presented no handling issues and the next steps will be exploring the flight with turbines running at various power settings, including asymmetric handling characteristics. The aim is to inspire others in STEM and aviation through the Jet Pits project. Rich and his team will be displaying at RAF Cosford Air Show on the 11th of June, which is where me, Matt and Nev can't wait to this That's year. That's going to be amazing. So, yeah. But that is just... It's just a bonkers unit, isn't it's it? It's just... Yeah. I, I, I could not imagine strapping uh, even one of these jet engine or these uh, turbine jet uh, jet turbines to, a, to the Cessna 150 that I, that I learned to find <laughs> because it would, end up, it would end up in various bits. It's the flames um, coming out of that jet engine that I don't know. make me nervous in any way, shape or form. <laughs> It's uh, it's honestly. I don't, I don't know if I've, I've, I, I was going to say. <clears throat> I was going to say Armando should try this, but then yeah. that's probably not a good idea yeah. considering what Armando's uh, aircraft is covered in. Uh, no, quite. Uh, especially given because uh, I think he's got enough to keep him amused with that at the moment as yeah. it is. Let alone, let alone anything else. But I mean, how cool is that? I mean, it's just it's really good. to have those those jet engines running as well. Sorry, yeah, love it's that. So good. Love that. I'm uh, going to say hello to Arnie. He's uh, joined us in the chat room. He's a bit. He's he's running a bit late. Bless him. But thanks for joining us, Arnie. Good to see you in the chat room as always. And uh, yeah, Armando's. He can see Armando's deep in thought now. He's thinking, <laughs> can I get can I get away with it? No, he can't. Is the uh, is the obvious and correct answer to that? That's that's uh, that's definitely a hell no. <laughs> that's what I reckon. Yeah. I believe two hundred and nine million dollars is what the lottery's up to. Maybe if I. Oh, right, okay. Right. It's the numbers tonight. <laughs> then I'll Quite. take on a project like that. Indeed. You'll be, you'll be able to buy the Pitts company. Well, yeah, there is that. Yeah, Probably. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I've never uh, flown a Pitts. Have you not? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's on my list of uh, like aircraft that I've must do. been around yeah. forever. But I don't know. They're pretty... I mean, they're great airplanes. They've obviously been around for... But they're pretty squirrely on the ground. It's, it's hard... Mm. Uh, do you remember Jody Ruger? Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did an interview. She owns a pit. She does aerobatics in a pit. 
which is actually kind of scary. Um, and then <laughs> Sean Van Hatten owns pits. So there's plenty of pits out there, but I've never flown yeah. one before. Yeah, indeed. Garth, Matt, can you put that in the um, PTK diary? Yeah, absolutely. We, we found, found, something we found an aircraft. Yeah, he doesn't fly. Was it a, that was a pit special that... Um, I've forgotten the girl's name. That's really... You, you'll remember it. it, it we Lauren. Saw it. Lauren, yeah. She Lauren. flies a pit special, doesn't she? Yeah, Lauren flies yeah, a pit. Yeah, she does yeah. aerobatics and stuff, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does, yeah. Indeed. So, moving on to the last story in the commercial news segment this week, and honestly, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen the, the videos that are going on through on social media at the moment. There's a few on Instagram, and there's some on Facebook of this, <laughs> and it's just, it's brilliant. It's so good. If you're sitting on a, on an aircraft and you're watching this at your window, I don't know <laughs> quite what you think. Quite yes. So I think uh, you'd be sitting there thinking, I hope it's not mine. Yeah, this uh, this is from Insider.com, and uh, it's all about uh, luggage, but right. uh, freewheeling luggage. It was so windy at the San Francisco International Airport on Tuesday this week that a runaway piece of rolling luggage went racing down the tarmac as passengers on a nearby aircraft watched and the video, Matt, has got the hill play that in a moment. Yet another atmosphere, <laughs> atmospheric river of storms uh, on the 11th so far this year struck the region this week with winds gusting up to 74 miles. Another video. <laughs> it's just so random. It's getting quite a, quite a speed up, it, it has to be get... said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. The extreme wind delayed more than 400 flights and cancelled 80 turned from the airport and, and the Bay Area reported, but it wasn't enough to stop this piece of luggage from taking off, as one Twitter user noted. Uh, Declan Weir tweeted the video of the baggage zooming across the asphalt, and the roller bags adventure didn't last long, though. It crashed into a patch of grass on the uh, taxiway just as quickly as it took off and as captivated as passengers watched. Uh, all I've got to say is, is, is that you know some some wheelie luggage can be a bit you know, bit, bit rubbish, yeah. but this is this obviously had. This must, have been a Samsonite. Yeah. <laughs> this must have been a Samsonite case. Although I would be sitting there going, oh, for goodness sake, as they go steaming across. It's like, oi. <laughs> I'd be like, I hope that's not my suitcase. <laughs> ne Nev in the chat room has got a, a fantastic question. Right. He wonders if the case had a GPS tracker in so they could <laughs> register the speed. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. That, yeah, I hope so is the, is the short answer to that. I really, really hope so. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Turk that S. would have been amazing. Turk S. says, run, little suitcase. Run, run to freedom. You can <laughs> yeah. do it. You can indeed do it, absolutely. Oh, dude, dude, oh dude. I love that. Yeah, that is absolutely yeah. brilliant. The end on a high on the commercial news. Indeed. So. Up next, it's time for our caption this just for fun. Oh, is it? Oh, oh cool. okay. Right, and, hang uh, on. <laughs> and uh, as Matt gets the furiously gets the picture loaded into the player yeah. system, uh, we uh, every Wednesday. What's up, Matt? No, no right? it's fine. Carry on. It's all, right. uh, it's, uh, it's all right. It was one of the jobs that I was given by our producer, which I forgot to, okay, to do. Right. So just chat amongst okay. yourselves. I'll, I'll be with you in a minute. <laughs> so uh, this week uh, we had a picture. Uh, that I discovered online, and uh, with a, a bit of creative, um, artistic prowess, um, <laughs> the picture was transformed Indeed. into uh, what Matt will have on the screen in just a moment. And uh, Armando, for the sake of uh, those who are listening in the audio world, what, what does this picture depict? And your Don your on. finest uh, polyester and your, and your finest velour 
because this picture <laughs> features uh, two individuals uh, in uh, apparently 1968, maybe 1967. Oh, wow. um, no, I don't know. Um, but judging by the colors, they are they're also being served a very wonderful spread of food here with, I think, a roast pork loin, yeah. some uh, candied apples there. Yeah, we got some basmati rice, some vegetables, some dinner rolls, all in fine china, of course. And of course. Uh, Oh, wait, this is we're captioned. I thought this was one of Nev's pictures that he sent us from his travels. <laughs> but no, I yeah. forgot we're doing caption this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no, I no. Mean, it's it captioned this. Be. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> it does say 1A, and of course, the seats are branded PTUK Air. Of course. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so, who, who, who could imagine? Uh, <laughs> um, I dare not take the first one because it must be said in a posh British accent. So, Carlos, <laughs> why don't you take the first one from John? Yeah, John says. Uh, thank you, Mr. Bounds, for the afters the company have laid on your favourite sauté, treacle banana, or as we like to refer to it, ST banana. <laughs> uh, I like Sturman it. Sturman says, uh, after being beaten to seat 1A, Nev decides to be the chef for the flight. They won't be smiling for much longer. Said Nev proudly. <laughs> uh, Bob says the lie the the lie your elders told you about flying in the old days and they walked to school barefoot in the snow. Yeah, whatever. True. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, David says, "What? You ran out? The only wine I drink is Penfell Penford's Grange." Oh, okay, that sounds fabulous. <laughs> uh, Stuart says, "PTUK Air, where the main course matches." the seat covers oh dear <laughs> i'm not sure that's a good thing Darry says roaf beef looks overcooked he's horrified <laughs> oh it's good point Ed. good point there Darry. Yeah. yeah yeah uh jake says no thank you i only want a lukewarm cheese and ham toasty and a lottery ticket please <laughs> yeah no i like that oh Sorry, I'm going to give this one to Matt. Stephen, okay. you, you can... Or, St or, yeah, yeah Stephen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the husband says, is that right? You're not... You're, you're never... You've never had English. One one moment, love. We're back... We're, we'll be back in a jiffy. Uh, the wife goes, the roast. The English roast, Harold. But uh, sit back down. And why does everyone keep calling me Diane? <laughs> Bob. Uh, what was Bob Yeah, saying? go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Bob, well, Bob says, no, sir. The forum wasn't a survey of which foods you liked. You were asked to select the items you wanted to eat during the flight. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and uh, Ian says, just leave the trolley. Thank you. <laughs> Quite, absolutely. Some guy called Nick, don't know who he is, says, uh, the food is great, but please can you ask Captain Al to lay off the broccoli? Ooh. <laughs> And uh, oh, oh, now, now yeah, this one we have a celebrity one, in our midst. I know, I Richard. Say. Yes, absolutely. I, 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 I had seen this on a on a chase question, on a quiz show question once, and I had to refresh my memory on Google as to what the anti mas macassar was. He says, "Love a branded anti macassar." Right, and it, and it is it is the uh, the kind of. The doily hang over the back of the chair. Oh, I see. Right. Oh, very yeah. good. Yes, quite right. Quite right. I, I don't think what, Ben's what does got. Ben Jones say? I don't think Ben's got the right idea at all. Ben, Ben is saying mint sauce, please. I'm sorry, you can't have mint sauce with roast beef. That is an abomination. <laughs> can't so be there done. we, there it we have it. Um, just well, look. We've got some in the chat room. So what have we got. Oh, okay. This, this, 
gentleman uh, named Neville Bounds says, <laughs> more importantly, because he speaks in a Texas accent, right? Of more course. importantly, yeah. who the heck is that in my seat? Quite right. Good point. Well made. Good point. Who else have we got? Um... <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Puebla Champ says that the... Uh, he loves that the... <laughs> love the knife that the flight attendant has. It is quite an impressive. It is, it is, it is a fabulous knife, isn't it? Yes. Can you imagine that being permitted these days? Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, I'll give this one to you, to you guys uh, in uh, a posh prediction. Sir, your, uh, sir, your start course, if you would like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, another one, another Neb one. <laughs> uh, Neville Bounds in his youth discovers seat one A and endless buffets. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, Carlos, I'll give this one to you. Uh, Mark says, what carbon footprint? <laughs> okay, yeah. or, or you can read the one on the screen. That would be nice, Carlos. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was the next one on the list, to be fair. No, that's uh, not the one that's on the screen. <laughs> Richard Adams says, Nev was so shocked by Carlos's gluttony ah. that, he, that he donned a wig and a frock to hide. It was the only seat number that gave him away. Yeah, good point. Well made. That would happen. And I'll take I'll take Dirks, which says, <laughs> Miss, would you be so nice to use your knife to remove that woman next to me oh, from yes. my seat? From my seat, yes. I very dare you. Absolutely. Some standards just oh. are appalling, aren't they? It, it's, uh, worth, it's worth worth noting, you know, this, this, this is how things used to be. I know, isn't it? Guys. I know, yeah. I know. It was back in the days when flying was was a, a luxury. I mean, I, I suppose yeah. it's good that it's not, um, you know, that, that it is accessible to everyone these days. I suppose mm. we should we should be grateful for that, should we not? So thanks to everyone who contributed this week to the uh, caption. This there'll be more next Wednesday on our social media. So if you don't already uh, follow us on social media, there'll be info about those at the end of the show. Uh, but uh, check out every Wednesday when the picture, next picture, the fresh picture will go up on uh, our social medias for you to comment on and uh, yeah make us laugh that's the most Absolutely. important thing definitely uh right time to hand things over to our resident gray expert well no we're actually gonna stand by until jonathan warner sends me a text that says he's <laughs> he's checked into the formation so we'll just have a just quiet time. Uh, okay, for, right. For, just for a minute. No, I'm just kidding. Hit the button. Hit the button. Three, one, three, five, fifty, angel, sixteen, three, four, zero. Okay. All right. Well, one of the things that happened this week, uh, we don't really have a story on it. We're not really going to talk about it because, you know, it's just the, the whole spy versus spy thing. But apparently a video came out. It was released by the Pentagon of a Russian jet uh, dumping fuel on an American MQ-9 Reaper. Um, so this happened over in Ukraine. Um, it is what it is. I don't, you know, there's not much to talk about there where, it, in my opinion, it was an unsafe maneuver really not even for the drone i think it was an unsafe maneuver for for the russian pilot he's a, he 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 if you're not trained this is not a tactic that we train for that anybody trains for to to sweep in over another aircraft dump dumping fuel uh it's not something that that anybody practices and uh apparently the pilot got it wrong and clipped the uh reaper and the reaper ended up going down um, and then, uh, you know, obviously that fuel getting ingested into the intake is probably going to bring the Reaper down anyways. 
or any aircraft for that matter. But uh, the Russian pilot is actually pretty lucky that he didn't have to eject out of his airplane um, because he he didn't make contact with the Reaper, apparently. Um, just a dum-dum. Oh, Hello, dum-dum. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. Just a silly thing. He was probably told to do that, and he probably went. Uh, kind of like the caption this a couple of weeks ago with the, yeah. like the cheese grater flight thing where he's like, I'm sorry, you want me to do what? Yeah. I'm so, and I'm uh, sorry. Not, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyways, it, it is what it is. Um, our first military story that we're actually going to talk about is, is has to do with air force one. So simpleflying.com, bunch of, bunch of different uh, media outlets covered this this week, but the delivery of the new air force one uh, has been pushed back and a new livery has been confirmed. So a new paint scheme for this aircraft. Um, so, uh, Boeing did confirm that the delivery has been pushed back uh, and the Air Force confirmed that President Biden had selected a new livery that shares some similarities with the look of the current Air Force One fleet. Uh, this aircraft is also going to feature some unique modifications to provide the president and the staff with safe and reliable air transportation. So this VC-25B program, which is uh, ultimately to deliver two new aircraft to the Air Force, and they're currently working through some of those modifications. Now, the aircraft is going to be uh, newer and larger than the current Air Force One. Um, air, and, you know, as, as you guys know, Air Force One's not actually the airplane. It's it's uh, the call sign that the airplane uses. So if he was if he was riding around in a Cessna 172, that would be Air Force One. Can you imagine uh, that, honestly? <laughs> you know what? Now that I think of it, my, my little Piper is the same color as Air Force One, just reversed. Um, interesting. Hmm. That should be a caption this. Um, <laughs> anyway, the, the current uh, two Air Force Ones are modified uh, 747-200s. Um, they're known as VC-25B or A's. So this will be the B model, which are 747-8s, uh, 8Is to be exact. Um, these aircraft are obviously going to be more fuel efficient. They're going to have lower operating costs. You can imagine those other two are, are getting a little bit long in the tooth nowadays. But... Um, as far as the paint scheme goes, it's new. It's reimagined, um, uh, reimagined from you know from all the di different iterations that they've gone on, but still very classic. It, uh, the aircraft is going to have a larger fuselage, so the livery has three primary differences from the current uh, paint scheme. According to the Air Force, the light blue on the uh, newer model is slightly deeper, has a more modern tone than the than the original. Robin's egg blue used on the current fleet. Additionally, the engines on the set, a new 747 is going to use a darker blue from the cockpit area versus the Robin's egg blue. And there's no more polished metal sections on this new VC-25B because modern commercial aircraft skins don't really allow for, um, you know, polishing because it's it's not they need to be covered. Um, so it's going to have kind of like a subtle, you know, light gray undertone under the underbelly. Um, the original concept art for the jet previously featured, you know, the red, white, and blue livery because it had been publicly ex expressed as a preferred livery in 2019 when former President Trump uh, was in office. Uh, President Trump had initially decided the, the aircraft would display a design based on the colors of the American flag, but the reaction to that was actually m a little bit mixed. Uh, it turned out that a thermal study, uh, a heat study, concluded that the design's dark blue color would require additional qualification testing from the FAA of all people and uh, several commercial components due to the heat in certain environments. So as a result of the increased cost for testing um, and modifications and, and basically more of a delay, President 
Biden uh, revealed that he would revert to a color scheme, you know, similar to the current one as we've seen. And Matt's showing the the uh, proposed paint scheme from a couple years ago there. Now, uh, Boeing was not required to determine a formal contractual decision for this new livery until this year. Now the company will conduct its engineering certification preparation, supplier selection, blah, 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 all for the program. So, And as you can imagine, the rest of the aircraft is also getting modified. The uh, current Air Force One uh, or the new Air Force One is going to have probably a much more enhanced communications capability, security uh, equivalents to that you know level of, of ground support. And they also said that they're going to get electrical power upgrades, some uh, medical facility upgrades, and a self-defense system, which I I can only imagine that the current aircraft already has, but um, either way, the cost to retrofit each one of these airplanes is about uh, 3.9 billion. That's with a B dollars. <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. So 2027, 2028 is when we're going to see these <clears throat> these aircraft roll out. Wow. I personally, I think it looks great. I, I love the, the traditional classic livery, a little bit updated and modern. So that is... Um, 2028. But yeah, they got to modify the air. Well, that's not that far away, Carlos. That's <laughs> years away. It's really, yeah, it was, it's really uh, not. It is. Really not, yeah. God, bloody hell, I'll be retired by then. <laughs> Dream on. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad they revert back to the uh, to the the original color. And Jonathan Warner actually says in the chat room. So basically, they didn't like Trump's option and went back to the old paint job. Yeah. We're not going to get into politics in the show. So nah. uh, next story from the drive.com. Uh, you know what? Really, really long story. <laughs> uh, I'm going to abbreviate it by basically saying that the Air Force in some recent documents, some doctrinal documents, they've announced that they're going to send something like 300 aircraft over the next few years to the boneyard <laughs> and that they're going to, they're, revealing plans to buy at least 200 next generation air defense fighters and a 1000 collaborative combat aircraft. So these are the aircraft that we've been talking about on the show as, as the, uh, the next generation aircraft. We've had some artists renderings of these and then the loyal wingman concept kind of basically one manned aircraft controlling a, a, a swarm of unmanned aircraft all working collaboratively. This is very much the Air Force, the U.S. Air Force is taking the lead in having this kind of capability in a modern Air Force. There were some announcements just last week at the uh, Air Force Association of Warfare Symposium. Um, the requests for funding are actually going to start in 2024 to develop the uh, these new systems. So I think once it gets budgeted there we're going to see some actual development some production of these now these um these this figure of a thousand collaborative combat aircraft was based on the number on the 200 next generation air defense fighters so it's basically if if you kind of parse it out it's going to be a couple aircraft of unmanned aircraft developed and produced and delivered per manned next generation aircraft as you can imagine how you know the, the the details what the technology is going to look like is a little bit under under wraps um but we've talked about on the show plenty of times that it will have something 
approaching artificial intelligence, if nothing else, some machine learning, but the, the ability for these aircraft to both communicate collaboratively, but operate autonomously is also going to be there. And this is going to be a, a game changer for the U.S. Air Force and kind of based on, you know, like production and, and the money being pumped into this, you can almost imagine that we're going to, we, <laughs> they are going to be the, the first Air Force to reach this kind of all around next gen, you know, what, what the Air Force of the future is going to look like for the next 20, 30 years or something like that. So uh, we're not that far away. Again, Carlos, 2025, like, well, we'll start budgeting, start building them, and we'll probably start seeing them rolling out pretty soon. Swarms of aircraft. <laughs> uh, Dirk in the chat room says, it's a brilliant story for the PTUK episode 1000. <laughs> True that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's not actually not too far off, yeah, actually, yeah. I reckon, yeah. Oh yeah, but, no. To uh, be fair, another another like eleven years. To be fair, mm. <laughs> oh, uh, I tell you what, you 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 guys over there have got some serious money lying around to be buying. Oh yeah. Ah uh, 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 right, right. I said we're gonna not get into politics. Yeah, yeah. Moving yeah. on. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's a well. Never mind. Moving, I'm sure there's on. plenty other there other <laughs> things that we could be using that money on. But yeah, they, they hey, should just gotta... they should just buy a, a thousand next generation Cubs. Right? I'd be. Can you imagine a swarm of cubs attack, attacking you? Oh, that'd be so cool. Next movie, PTUK <laughs> movie special 2025. Right. right. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> no CGI involved. No, none whatsoever. Speaking of new and money, it's a boat story, but I gave it to you, Carlos. Yeah, this is good because obviously I have been lucky in my past to uh, have a member of the family who was in the Royal Navy and got the chance to go on a few of our aircraft carriers and destroyers and frigates here in the UK but this is uh, on the business insider Hmm? no I'm just kidding yeah yeah yeah. Honestly, I'm under you. Such a child. Such a child. Thebusinessinsider.com, this is from. And obviously the U.S. have got, if they're going to build something, it has to be bigger than everyone else's. And the U.S. Navy's newest supercarrier is underway with its all its available air power for the first time. The USS Gerald R. Ford, the U.S. Navy's newest supercarrier, is operating underway with all of its available air power for the very first time. A Navy official confirmed to insider reporting from Navy Times that this is the first time the entire carrier wing has been embarked on the Ford for an underway period. The ship is underway for a composite training unit exercise known as Compu... Computex? Computex? Uh, The exercise assesses a carrier strike group abilities to conduct military operations at sea and project power ashore through joint planning and execution of challenge and realistic training scenarios. Second Fleet spokesperson, Lieutenant Commander Christy Johnson, told Insider the evaluation is planned and executed by the Carrier Strike Group 4 staff and in tests, the mission, it tests the mission readiness of deployable assets to perform as an integrated unit. Johnson said the Ford's Carrier Strike Group includes staff from the Carrier Strike Group's 12th Carrier Air Wing and the, the, the 8th Wing and Destroyer Squadron 2. Uh, the participating vessels include the, oh, blimey, I can see why you gave me this one, Armando, the Ticonderoga class guided <laughs> missile cruiser. Shh, 
Smith. And the USS... Wait till next week. The USS Normandy and Arleigh Burke. Glass, I don't think I'm available next destroyer. week. The USS Ramage and the USS McFowl and USS Thomas Houdner. The first in class, Ford, is the Navy's most advanced aircraft carrier and has a price tag of around $13 billion. Ooh, cheap. Billion dollars. <laughs> the ship, which was uh, launched in 2013 and commissioned in 2017 and first deployed in 2022, has suffered delays and setbacks. Well, <laughs> haven't we all? Remember when they, were, when they launched the Ark Royal, Matt? The what now? Exactly. It uh, has many has many setbacks. It's, it's a litany of new technologies, including advanced elevators that can move missiles and bombs to the flight deck and electromagnetic catapults that are supposed to be capable of launching aircraft more effectively than steam catapults on the Nimitz-class carriers. Navy Times reported on Thursday that during the Ford's short 2022 deployment, around 80% of the air wing had embarked on the ship. The Ford began Computex exercise on March the 2nd with all its available air power, including fixed-wing fighter jets, airborne early warning aircraft and rotary aircraft. The Ford's carrier strike group demonstrated to the world what high-end naval warfare and integrated NATO operability looks like when it sailed on its inaugural uh, deployment back in 2022, said Rear Admiral Greg Huffman, commander of the carrier strike group 12 or the 12th carrier strike group, in a March 3rd statement. Now the strike group's initiating its final step in fully certifying as a combat deployable warship. Computex will further demonstrate the carrier strike group is combat ready and the naval force capable of conducting a full spectrum of integrated maritime joint and combined operations, he's added. Uh, the Ford carrier strike group is expected to deploy on its first full-length deployment sometime later this year. And I hope they come this way. It'd be nice to see that dock in uh, Portsmouth. Uh, when it, next to our... Uh, be nice to have um, our latest carrier... Um, the Prince of Wales, uh, with this one next to it, just to see you know what? a difference Matt, in size. Well, Matt had some of the videos and pictures, and it's kind of eerie to see an aircraft carrier with no aircraft. I know there are some comments in the chat room <laughs> that made me hit a little close to home about the uh, the British aircraft carriers not having aircraft. But, <laughs> um, but uh, it's... My my favorite part in kind of the story and some of the videos that came out with this was the uh, the hard turn that the aircraft carrier took. It obviously, had nothing on the on the on the deck, but did you see that that like the the way it it took a turn and the whole ship is listing, mm. you know, to the right as it's making that hard turn? Can you imagine something the size of a of a city where a city block just moving like that and turning like that and i thought it was super cool there you go i think i found it there you go yeah that right there look at that oh wow i mean the the left side of that ship the port side <laughs> my navy terms <laughs> uh, has to be you know a couple hundred feet in the air and the and the starboard side's got to be almost touching the water mm. that and, and the videos are amazing how they're testing this you know with some f-18s i think there's an E2 Hawkeye that pops up, uh, $400,000 toilets, as you saw there. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. 
<laughs> I meant to stop it before that. <laughs> hey, it is. Uh, no, it's pretty cool. And and yeah, I mean, new aircraft carriers, new nuclear powered aircraft mm-hmm. carriers, pretty pretty cool. But anyway, that that's uh, pretty much sums up the military for this week. Goodness me! Thank you, Armando. Yes. Yeah. I don't believe it. We're okay. actually going to finish at the time that I try to finish us at virtually every single week. Oh, match. <laughs> there you go. Like that. This is exciting. Um, <laughs> actually, on on uh, on the note of uh, finishing, uh, well, we I mean, we might well finish early. Obviously, um, there may be another podcast lurking somewhere in the uh, midst that's um, starting soon. <laughs> Um, we uh, obviously Nev has got a pile of books uh, across in his uh, his realm, which we are going to start a competition. Are, hopefully, yes. hopefully, hopefully, we're going to start a competition next week on the show. So uh, make sure you tune in next week, uh, where we're going to have some some very 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 nice aviation books on offer as prizes. Oh, by the way, as you were mentioning other podcasts there, don't forget, of course, something very exciting happened this week. It did indeed, and I listened to said podcast uh, yesterday, actually, whilst I was at work. Stephen Grant have released their You're going to do some more crawling than the, on the chance that Dan Air will hire you. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Mission with a V, by the way, Dan. That's right. And, and Dan, I, I do have my commercial ticket. It's not current, but I can fix that problem. <laughs> yeah, mine's American, so you know. <laughs> going to say you're my father now are you yes if you haven't already listened uh, to the show uh, Stephen grant released their first episode this week it was honestly being someone who listened to them um on the across the pond segments on the airplane geek show and listen to their show the pcdu playing crazy down on the show it's so good to have the guys back it is, yeah, it really absolutely, is. yeah. It's uh, uh, and in answer to uh, Armando's question that he's just sent me, uh, yes, I do. <laughs> well, you were answering my question, which I'm answering John Duster's question. Okay. Um, how about we play this out, okay. Carlos? Have you seen this? This is uh, something that came to us from John Jester, who you know we love just following. Indeed. As he am I pla- I'm playing the video first, am I? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. So this, is, this was taken from his aircraft um, at altitude. Uh, is it going up? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> now, this is what, and a couple couple weeks ago, I tried to get a picture that was similar to this, but this is another aircraft from his aircraft at night, um, and the strobe lights are are lighting the contrails that are coming off the aircraft. So, Matt, if there's one more picture up there, that he managed to get a still frame. Look at that. Oh wow! It is that. Wow, that is the millennial falcon. <laughs> millennial falcon. Millennium, even. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it the millennial falcon. Okay, why not? Falcon. Sure, sure, that, um, that's fine. Yeah. And, and and this is so cool. I don't know how you other pilots feel about this, but one of my favorite things to do is fly at night. You get to see some really really unique. Last week I was talking about that flight back from Florida that I had that was just unbelievable and the the moon and the sky and the stars 
Um, and when you're up at 30, 40,000 feet, man, it's just a, it's just one of the coolest and most eerie feelings, but then you get sites like this and I guarantee you, I guarantee you that this picture isn't even doing it justice. This is probably from the flight deck. This probably looked even more impressive, a thousand times more impressive. Uh, Very Aaron, cool picture. Aaron has some beef, by the way. Uh, I'll pop it up uh, on yeah. the screen there for you. Nice pick, but four engines. Oh, how yesterday. <laughs> oh, how <All> rude. Right. <laughs> well, you know what? We were going to give Aaron the opportunity to sit in the flight deck of a uh, 747, R right. but it's, it's, uh, he's gone. not interested it's in expired. it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just go ahead. Right. Next person okay. up, Richard Adams. Yeah. We're going to give it to Richard Adams. Uh, and such is life. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lovely. Okay. Good. Good. Oh, okay. oh, <laughs> How to win good. friends and influence people. Uh, there I we know, go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that is where we're going to start to wrap up this week's show. But before we do, we'll have a little, as we have got a fair spare few minutes here, quick round robin as to what's going on in the world of the hosts next or next week. So we'll start off with Armando because obviously you lead a far more exciting life yeah, than me absolutely. and Matt. Well, not not next week. I've got no flying. The only thing I, I got to do is uh, now fly the Cub on a ferry permit from <laughs> one one place in Charlotte to another place in Charlotte to get some fabric work done. But uh, other than that, I actually have nothing. I have nothing until next weekend, I believe, um, where I have a short four day to Nashville. I think. But nice. Something okay. Like that. Well, that's, that's pretty quite much cool. It. Yeah, I like that. That's. Uh... Yeah, it's uh, just just explain to me what a, a ferry flight is. What 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 the permit is? Uh, literally just that is it, so that you can translate, yes. fly it from one place to another as long as it's under a certain distance. And yeah, so my aircraft was undergoing an annual inspection, which is required for for all certified aircraft. Um, experimentals only require condition inspection, but the problems that were found were during its annual so because they can't sign off the annual as complete because of this uh incomplete service bulletin slash airworthiness directive it is both um i need a special permission to fly the aircraft because technically it's not it's not in in its inspection it's out it's out of inspection so if something were to happen i would be off the reservation so the shop what they're doing is they have requested a special flight permit from the right. faa and they'll receive an approval for me to fly on a certain day from A to B. They may stipulate some conditions on that, that it must be day VFR. Um, yeah. And must avoid, you know, certain airspace or populated yeah. areas, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's basically uh, dotting I's and crossing T's and make sure that I'm legal yeah. to fly from one airport to another airport with, yeah. a, with an aircraft that is not... Um, completely airworthy now it's not a safety issue because the airplane's been flying for 60 years like this right yeah, so yeah. i'm comfortable in flying the airplane to another shop to to get the correct parts put in there so yeah is it is it going to be a long process getting the getting the bits done i wonder i got no idea i i can only imagine it's going to be at least a, a month gosh that the airplane will be done so goodness me that's that's, that's not ideal is yep. it uh neb's been in touch by the way he's saying i'm back next week if anyone's interested of course we're interested neb he's flying to stockholm on monday for a couple of days that's what he's up to thanks for that so yeah Nev will be back next week carlos what okay. are you up to 
He, uh, notice he only said that after I said that I was not going to be on the show next week. Yeah, yeah. You're not on know. next week. I'm yeah, on no, he's, he's got a four-day trip. He literally just, oh, yeah, he literally just said that. Guy. Yeah, but he could still <laughs> dial in. A There's such true. a thing yeah, as satellite. Yeah. I'll, I'll be flying on Friday. Yeah, indeed. Ah, poor excuse, poor excuse. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, what am I doing? I don't know, actually. I don't know what I'm doing next week. Various, various jobs in and around the countryside of Norfolk and Suffolk Lovely. here in East Anglia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've no idea what I should be doing this week. I've just been doing a bit of work, I think. Uh, and then outside of that, uh, probably a bit of radio, squeeze a bit of radio in there somewhere. Have you got a disease or something, man? Yeah, that we wanted this. Yeah, nothing to do with it being red nose day today at all. Nothing to do with that. Yeah, all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, must admit, I did have a spot here earlier in the week. I thought it was um, red nose day early. Right, good, lovely. So, Thanks yeah. for playing. Yeah. Social media links. If <laughs> ah. you don't already know where to find us, well, you should do because it's where our uh, caption this competition is each week. You can search for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Plain Talking UK. There's also our WhatsApp number, which is plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. You can send us pictures, audio messages uh, on there, and uh, if you fancy putting your picture on behind the screen here with me or with Matt in the studio, send us a picture and we'll stick it on here behind us. As long as it's aviation related, obviously. Uh, email the team, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. You can send your feedback in there as well. And don't forget to check out our website, allthews.plaintalkinguk.com, where on there you'll find the links to our shop where you can grab yourself a marvellous PTUK t-shirt. We've got, um, we're going to get some more of those on order soon. So if you haven't already got yourself a PTUK t-shirt, they come in various sizes, have a lovely embroidered logo like this, well, where are we? Like this one here, <laughs> like that one there. There we go, like this one here um, on the, sh- on the uh, t-shirt with a, a print on the back. So yeah, well worth getting it. There's also the mugs on there, which I know Matt has sent off a mug this week to one of our listeners. Uh, was literally it, was it, just now, in fact. It, was it a grey mug or was it? Uh... It was a grey mug. Yes, it was ordered. Mm. But I, I don't know. Perhaps they'll say if I'm allowed to say who who did it because they are, they are in the chat room. But just before oh. we went on on air, they ordered it and uh, and I sent it. So uh, oh, good. so yeah, so Hopefully very that'll, efficient. That'll be there yeah. quick. Indeed. Yeah, uh, Hobby Times. Hobby Times says by the way, uh, you need to see a doctor with that, Matt, as it could be catching. That's Very fair. true. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so, yeah, the links <laughs> on there to our shop. The links are also on our website to Amazon, uh, which um, no. we don't think we use anymore because that doesn't work anymore. No. So don't bother using that. No, no, no. But still buy things because I do on Amazon. Spend far too much time on Amazon, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also on our website are the links to Patreon and PayPal. If you fancy uh, becoming a supporter of the show, there are links on there where you can become a supporter of the show. We have got a very, very lovely bunch of people who help each month to uh, support the show and help us, well, bring the content we do each week. Absolutely. And as we said uh, a few weeks ago, we have got uh, lots of big plans coming up this year for air shows, so make sure you uh, stay tuned to the show. Uh, we are Obviously, as we said, we're going to be going to Cosford Air Show this year, which is one of the big ones we haven't done this year in the UK. And we've also got our P2K meet-up at the Battle of Britain Memorial uh, Air Show at Duxford in Cambridge in September. September, I think that yes. is, if I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got that coming up as well. Plus, we've got, we've got some other meetups as well, some other uh, air show visits planned during the year. So make sure you keep tuned to our social medias for all that info. 
Well, that is about all we have got time for for episode 448 of the show. Uh, don't forget to join us next Friday where Nev should be back. Armando won't be here. <laughs> Contractually obliged, obviously, yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're, we'll be here to bring you another show filled with lots of aviation content again. Thanks to all the chat room. Thanks to all the people who joined us in there tonight. And not forgetting... Everyone who downloads the show each week is an audio podcast. Thanks for downloading that show, the show. And if you get a few spare minutes in the day and you fancy leaving us some feedback on, on iTunes, there is a way you can do that on there, which helps to uh, promote the, the uh, podcast on there. Indeed. That is it. Have a fantastic weekend, whatever you're up to. Stay safe. Enjoy yourselves. And don't forget to uh, keep looking in the skies at those aircraft. <laughs> as we do every day from me carlos here in the home studio from matt in the ptuk master suite studios and from the legend that is armando in his studio take care have a great weekend and we'll see you next week happy st patrick's day everyone top of the morning to you